right. Well, welcome to another edition of Shop Talk Podcast. Uh, this is the podcast to go to. You know, well, if you're looking for information on shop vacs, uh, shop rags, shop racks, uh, everything for your shop, right here on the Shop Talk Podcast. And uh, this is Drew Forster, and my partner in crime, Daryl Houston, is going to take it from here. Daryl, tell us about our mystery Shop Talk guest tonight. Well, I, I want to try to keep that going, but I just don't think that I can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. We'll record a creator pod episode then. Darrell, t- tell, the, tell the audience who we're talking to tonight. We are talking to a wonderful man who goes by the name of Steve Warren who is serving in ministry, or has served in ministry in a variety of ways and continues to do so through the, through the avenue of the Salvation Army. And we get to talk to him about not just his ministry, but some of the creative things he gets up to in his downtime. And uh, the reason for that uh, comedic uh, intro is that the two of you are like uh, shop bros, right? You're, you're both into uh, woodworking, and uh, but I get the sense that you sort of take it in different directions. So, uh, Steve, what kinds of woodwork do you like best? Like, what, what do you produce? Uh, see, here's the problem, is to compare me to a woodworker on the scale of Durrell is to compare, like... <laughs> A wonderful sirloin to like Chef Boyardee is, uh, I I can't hold anything to to what he creates. But uh, in in some of my time, I really try to, um, I have this mindset where I really try and create one-off projects that um, I I haven't seen before, and nor do I want to do again. That it's. It's this mindset of I'm going to do it once and that's it. And I never want to return to it. And sometimes that works and sometimes it fails miserably. Yeah. So for you, it's not if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. It's like if at first you don't succeed, so what? Moving on to the next project. Yeah. Uh, we, we burn it in the wood pile and then we go on to a different project and yeah. pretend like it never happened. What every yeah. true artist uh, dreams of doing with their work. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, how did you how did you become a woodworker? Who you know who got you into it? I mean, you grew up in New Hampshire, is that correct? Oh, this is this is amazing. Um, I grew up in New Hampshire in a small town of uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, and uh, in there, I knew nothing of woodworking. Um, we we journeyed uh, all the way to the backwoods of Maine. Uh, my family moved around in my childhood a whole lot. And in Maine, I met uh, a lot of individuals who were just invested in me as a person. Uh, one of those people was uh, uh, my 10th grade shop teacher um, who would, during the day, teach me about architecture. And then uh, afterwards, we would go into the wood shop and we would create some of these structures. And uh, just those two worlds melding together of I can draw it on paper, I can be precise on paper, I can put it down in this 
this magical format that if I don't like, I can crumple up and throw away. And then somehow afterwards, draw it enough where I can go into the wood shop and create it. And, and there it is in existence. And sometimes it stays that way. And other times it just disappeared. And what was the shop teacher's um, name? Uh, Mr. Mr. Adams, uh, Mr. Mr. Adams stayed Mr. Adams and, uh, I've never once met Mr. Adams outside of being Mr. Adams. So, uh, it's kind of sad that I, I don't even know this man's first name, uh, because just the sheer reverence of who Mr. Adams was in my life of this safe space of this space where, uh, everything was at my disposal that was his in, in creating that space where I never felt like I was intruding. I never felt like I was a burden. But yet now, as an adult, I know I probably was. Like, I was probably never that welcome of a house guest where after school I suddenly found dinner at his table. But yet, he never made me feel that way. The, I was always just... I, I was I was always in a space around him where it was just yeah no I I could be there and I could be who I was I don't know man I feel like if he didn't really want you there it was pretty simply probably could have just turned out the lights and hidden under the belt sander you know and you wouldn't have no, never no, found see, him <laughs> see in that regard you misunderstand how stubborn I am like I would <laughs> never take a hint that easily like. At that point, you may have to shovel me out the back door, and and I still might be trying to find a way through, through even that. That um, yeah, uh, subtlety never goes well with me. I I just don't quite grasp it as, as being a wonderful New Englander that I am. Uh, it, it just yeah, no, I would never take a hint that easy. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you you had a much different high school experience than I did, and I'm very happy of that for you. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Darrell, were you in that generation that didn't get shop class? Like, were you post-shop so, class? We we had other classes. There was a small shop program, but in the middle of where I grew up, it wasn't a big thing. We had uh, cosmetology, so you could learn how to do uh, hair or be a barber and things of that nature. I had, I had wood shop. I had metal shop. I had plastic shop. Uh, I, I remember I made something that could either be a candy dish or an ashtray. And, you know, given that it was the eighties, either one of those was a viable option for that, for that product once it was, uh, once it was done. But I mean, at least Steve, you remember Mr. Adam's name. I could not tell you the names of any of those shop teachers who introduced me to power tools for the first time. Oh, I mean, well, I, I feel like... Lately, I've been feeling like a boomer of, oh my goodness, how did I get this old? But when you say there's like a whole generation where shop class didn't <laughs> exist, it's now settling into me. Uh, because literally, even as an adult, it's why it's why I returned to woodworking is um, my wife, Sally, wonderful lady, uh, better than I ever deserve. Uh, in her metal class in high school, she made she made a ring for me. And uh, I, I still have the ring. It's, it's made out of nickel, so I don't ever wear it because um, I like my fingers to be flesh-toned and not green. Um, but because she made that, that was the first thing immediately. I, I think it was a Valentine's Day gift about 
five or six years ago where I said, you know what? I, I feel like it's about time where I made an honest lady out of Sally and, and gave her a ring of her own. And what does that mean? <laughs> well, I, I made a wooden ring okay. uh, and, right. and sized it. Yeah, no, I I guess that uh, yeah should probably be... <laughs> Knowing the ages of your children and your occupation, I felt like it was important that we clarify that. Yeah, that, that is true. Uh, Sally has always been an honorable lady. It's just uh, whether I have been honorable or not. So, Well, I think, you know, whether or not you are a boomer, um, probably it, it, there's some indication in the, the, the use of the term lady to describe your wife. So, um, I, you know, I, I think that's wonderful. And I think you've always been a little bit of an old soul, Steve. Oh, well, um, that's... That's unfair, and I feel like you're being way too gracious to me. Um, because, oh, oh, Darrell, if you could only have seen me when Drew met me. Um, I, I was not an old soul. I was a pure punk, and, and I know those days, and I remember those days. And, oh, man, I was, I was every person's worst nightmare to date their daughter, and yet somehow people tolerated me. And was, I knew some of those crazy. people. I, I knew some of those people yeah. whose daughters you dated. Oh, it was listening. horrible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I feel like I should no list idea. names and apologize. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think Darrell knows Steve and Val Lopes pretty well. <laughs> I do. Yeah, no, those those are people I need to apologize to, and Here's I, I, the list list could go on forever, forever. <laughs> but oh man, I, well, and it's it's why I laugh and joke about it is because years later, as an adult, when I when I meet like when I meet people like Drew, I'm often cautious to think, oh man, if they if they remember me from that stage of life, they, they may hate me forever. Like, <laughs> so I'm, I am, by honest means, I come across grace as this understanding of I need to live within it because I often find myself begging for it from people who um, do, do, not, do not need to extend it to me, but oh, do I ever need it. <laughs> Uh, I will refrain from making a God's riches at Coley's expense uh, joke here. Um, okay. <laughs> so give us an example of one of these one-off projects that, that you have created in the past. Maybe something you're particularly proud of. Oh, oh, I, um, uh, one of the, one of the nearest projects I had done, uh, to my heart was, uh, I, I have wonderful friends. They, uh, embarked upon a journey uh, to to be missionaries and uh, they they wanted to pack real light so I was able to take a mixture of woods um, uh, bird's eye maple and sapali uh, which is an African hardwood and and make uh, an iPhone speaker uh, just a, an acoustic speaker to amplify their phone uh, but blending these woods because uh, the bird's eye maple was from the county in their home um, where they're they're from from the state of Pennsylvania. So I, I made a trip out to Pennsylvania and grabbed uh, some bird's eye maple and uh, they when they wanted to be missionaries, they wanted to be missionaries over to Africa. And so in, integrating that Sapali hardwood uh, from Africa 
into that piece of just just putting these pieces together of the heart of the matter of of knowing that for that person it combines this is where they were this is where they want to be this is where they are right now and and just being able to present that was was that wonderful understanding of being seen for who you were being seen for who you want to be and being able to combine it in those moments is just it's it's that luxury of creativity that just makes you feel like yeah this is this is what i want to do this is uh to be able to honor in pieces like that are just it, it's beautiful moments i actually remember that project but i don't think i knew the backstory i remember seeing uh, seeing pictures of that project on your on your Facebook page as you were making it, but I didn't know that that backdrop. And and you want to come off like like this, you know, aw shucks, I don't know what I'm doing. But you just named an African hardwood I've never heard of before, and you cross <laughs> state lines to get a specific piece of wood for a project. That is not something that some rank amateur does. I mean, that is uh, that's big time, man. Right. Uh, there, there is this wonderful simplicity in um, who I long to be. Um, so I, I, I know this about myself that I have this overactive brain that that will just think about things for days and days and and years, and it just consumes me in those moments. But at at a certain level, I need to coach myself to be very simplistic in my approach. And so uh, a lot of that is um, the introduction of myself or the self-deprecating humor is is that understanding of I, I want to be simple and I want to to rest in some of that simplicity. I don't, uh, sh- sure, could we talk about complex things? But at, at the end of the day, uh, anyone can make things more confusing. But if you can make them simplistic and, and just beauty resonates from that simplicity, then I feel like for me, that's, that's where I want to live and breathe. And Darrell, while you were, uh, you know, in the same neighborhood, were you ever able to, uh, to see any of Steve's projects that, that particularly stood out to you or spoke to you? So Steve lived right around the corner from me, and he wanted nothing to do with me for the entire time we were neighbors. Um, I did my absolute best to try and come and gleam some of his skill, um, but I believe he put up a no trespassing sign with the picture of me on it, so it just didn't work out. Um, <laughs> actually, Steve and I crossed paths like uh, ships in the night. Uh, as he was coming into Massachusetts, we were on our way out, so we oh, didn't okay. have that much time together. Got it. Uh, we, I would say it was several months, and uh, I, I keep track of the things that he makes online. And uh, he, he, he just explained beautifully um, the humble nature of his own description of his skill. But if you've ever seen anything he's made, you know that it's anything but simple. Uh, it's always beautiful. It's always artistic. And as you've just heard, the context into what he's making or building just adds to the story of the piece. Very thoughtful. Deep, deep provenance with these pieces. Oh. Um, right. one, one thing I have observed, at, you know, looking at both of your work, it seems, Steve, like you tend to focus on projects that are smaller in scale 
than what than what Darrell is is making. Is that a fair? Would you say that's a fair description of your of your projects um, based on what you've seen Darrell create and what you create? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That um, I I definitely understand that the bigger the scale, the more opportunity for errors and. Uh, I, I do everything I can to hedge against any any error that I can make um, because I'm not good at covering them up and uh, it's it's uh, but no in in reality I really do I love the complex pieces um, I love the smaller the pieces I love it and in fact uh, recently I've I've dabbled in uh, stained glass and uh, as as some of my fingertips will tell me and remind me periodically, uh, some of those pieces are tiny, and some of the 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 margin for error is is critical in some of those pieces. Um, but it's this wonderful understanding of if I can make those those small complex pieces meld together or or work together, it's manageable for me and. Uh, well, I I could paint it with all the beauty in the world. At, at some level, it's all also because I I'm just not good at managing my time. Darrell, are you buying this explanation that that the smaller the the project, the uh, less room for flaws? I feel like the smaller the scale you go, the more a flaw would show up. So it it's actually increasing the level of difficulty. Yeah. So I think when you're talking about scale and, and size, I think once you start going to those small pieces, the thing that makes them stand out are the details. And and that is where the margin for error, I, be, I think, becomes nearly zero. You can't really mess up on some of those things or, or you take away from the piece. So I, I like to think that those smaller things can be more difficult because like you mentioned, with my big pieces, um, you know, I can I can hide a lot of the, the mistakes that probably only I and other people who've made the mistake can see. Right. And I think about, you know, Sarah Lager, who we had on, uh, you know, recently, and, and she's refinishing an entire dresser that, you know, she might have picked up off the side of the road. So it kind of comes with like a, a, a built in um, cadre of blemishes, you know, before she's even touched the thing. Um, but she's got a much bigger surface area to, to work with. And so there is, if there is an imperfection, you know, along one little side or something, maybe the eye doesn't catch it as much as a piece that's, you know, six inches in diameter or, or, or some of these very small pieces that you're making, Steve. Yeah. Oh, man. What, she, what Sarah Lager is doing is uh, just amazing because literally mm -hmm. uh, seeing some of her YouTube channel and seeing some of her projects, all I can think to myself is, yeah, that's a great piece of firewood. Like, what is she doing sanding it down? Let's, <laughs> let's, right. let's have a campfire. Uh, but it, it's... Um, there is this moment in the small pieces where um, it accurately helps me refocus who I am. So there is this precision-driven individual that I need to acknowledge that I, I, I have what some people might call a little touch of OCD where I, I'm going to do it three or four times till I get it right. And I'm going to really hone in on 
that last 5% to, to get it near perfection. And then I couple that with what I want to do in my spare time of constantly moving to create, to create this balance, because I know that precision individual could be paralyzed by just thinking of how to do one part of that step. And so it's always this, this understanding of, I want to be moving and I want to, um, lately in the woodshop, I've been counting to five saying, okay, you have five seconds to think of what you're going to do next and then start doing it. Otherwise, I'll spend the next 30 minutes thinking about what to do next rather than moving into it. it did you catch so any I, of, uh, of Tim Allen's uh, show? It's, it's Tim Allen and, and his partner in crime from Home Improvement where, uh, where these, these uh, folks are given a, a task to, to build something in their shop and they have a limited time to, to create it. Have you watched any of that show? Oh, n no. But it uh, just this sheer time crunch. Uh, here's what I'm learning about myself. The time crunch would paralyze me. I, uh, yeah, time would be up and I would still not have the pen out of my hand. I'd still be drawing. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it is... Uh, that confession of when I'm so bad at managing my time is because I'm, I will spend days thinking of how to creatively put something together when I could have already had it together at that point. Well, so this show is, is fascinating. It's called Assembly Required, and it's Tim, it's Tim Allen and Richard Karn from Home Improvement way back in the day. Um, and... Uh, and so they, they give people a task and they have to, you know, create something. And it's fascinating to see the people who are like you, Steve, you know, thinking about what they want to do for a long time. And then like with five minutes to go, they finally start fabricating. Uh, and then there's the other people who like pull out a blowtorch, you know, from the very first second they get the task. Um, and then they find themselves having, you know, measured wrong or they're off by, you know, 10 degrees and, and the thing will not function to do what it, what it needs to do. So, uh, I, I think you'd, uh, you'd like that. It's a history channel show called, uh, assembly required. I highly recommend it. Um, how about you, Darrell? Are you, uh, a, a muller of projects like Steve or do you tend to jump in? What's your style? I think I'm probably somewhere in the middle where I know what I want to make and I can kind of visualize it. Uh, sometimes I'll put it down on paper and then uh, get to task. But um, it, it's for, for me, the design phase can take longer than the build phase um, because I think you get to a point in your woodworking where you recognize that, wow, there's so many things I could do from this point. Which way should I go? Um, Willow, my wife, is very, very creative. And so she helps me come up with ideas as well as my daughters um, and, and to kind of narrow some of my choices. But I do agree with Steve that that design phase can be the longest part of any build and anything you make. Uh, so that, that can be time consuming. I mean, I think that's true with a lot of art forms. One of the things I had to learn kind of the hard way was in terms of making a video that the, the largest amount of time that is spent in making a video is in setting up the shot properly. And that means 
lighting, that means audio, that means camera positioning, uh, positioning the subject. Um, by the time you actually get to roll tape, you've already done 90% of the work. And, and then, you know, you get to kind of do the fun part. And then, as Steve said, you know, the true artist, it's in the final 5% of the work uh, in really honing down whatever it is you've created. But I, I think what you're talking about is true across a lot of art forms, um, you know, except maybe with the exception of, uh, of what Steve's brother-in-law uh, has sometimes been known to do in some uh, speed painting. Um, I've seen Casey do that, and I can't even understand how people do that. <laughs> uh, well, this is why um, Casey Fletcher is literally the reason that keeps me humble about any any person saying that I'm good at working or any person that talks about the artistry that I have is uh, when when we have a bona fide artist in our family. It is it is hard to to look at my projects and be like, hey, I made this offering, and then see a real artist at work. Well, true and, genius. Uh, the I mean, way really. he thinks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I do. I do have a question for both of you because I I do understand the audience that I sit in front of of as both of you being very creative minded individuals, both both in hobby form as well as as professionals. Um, how do you control the creative side? In that, for me, it would be very easy to stay in that creative mindset of just thinking of more ideas to move. At, at what point do you have barriers that you put in there to say, okay, but the creative side is done. Now, how do I move into the doing portion? Uh, I can certainly take this. I, I don't know that I, I struggle. I, I think I probably tend to be less thoughtful uh, about things. When it comes to speaking, I do tend to mull uh, for quite some time. I'll, I'll sort of have my topic. I'll look at my scripture. I'll look at the theme. Um, and then I'll let it kind of percolate with me for a while before I actually get to the point of sitting down and writing. But in my you know, current professional career um, as a director of communications, one of the challenges I find is that I would like to create fun stuff all the time, sometimes at the expense of doing the basic day-to-day uh, -day sort of task-oriented stuff that I have to do. Like, I'm notorious for being late with my expense reports. I'm notorious for not doing, you know, some of the simple paperwork stuff. Um, and it's because I've spent too long trying to come up with, um, you know, the, the perfect picture for a publication or uh, the, the wittiest uh, way to approach a social media post for a given day or that kind of thing. So I tend to do the fun, creative stuff first, rather than sort of leaving it as like dessert, right? Like get the meat of my day out of the way and then do the creative stuff. And some of that is because I'm more creative in the morning than I am later in the day. Uh, but that also doesn't really leave a whole lot of energy for the stuff I'd rather not be doing at two or three in the afternoon. So that's more my problem is disciplining myself to not do only the creative stuff that I want to do right off the bat, 
um, and, and knuckling down and writing that boring article that I really don't want to write, but it has to get done because I'm on deadline. That's probably one of my bigger creative challenges. Come on down to the Boxer Beard Co. Barn for the latest in stickers, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, short sleeve t-shirts, hoodies. We might even sell sweatshirts without a hood. I don't know. But come check out Boxer Beard Co. Barn for the latest in clever teas and gifts. How about you, Darrell? I know for me, when, when I think of a creative challenge, or as Steve said, like, you know, transitioning from that creative space, um, I don't know that I ever leave it. I think I kind of dwell in it um, and allow it to also inform my, my other compartments. Uh, for example, with my woodworking, it's so closely tied to my ministry that I'm allowed to keep it relevant. Um, I can walk into a space, see a need, and be able to fill it with that creativity. Um, and, and it also helps that, that I can keep my projects purposeful. So it's not like I'm making, you know, some people find great pleasure and expression in wall art and things of that nature, whereas I'm going to build this table that's going to be able to be utilized for your entire family. And for me, it's like I get to express myself in all its function, um, but it's so closely tied to a service for me that it's, it's allowed to stay ever-present and in the front of my mind. Desks, cutting boards, shelves, that, that is kind of your bread and butter, right? Yeah, you know, um, I, I've started recently. Um, so some of the working projects that I do not post are the guitars that I make. Um, so I, I, I'm looking at two necks right now that I finished that have bodies that I need to get to work on. But for me, those are like fun things that I'll, I'll do on the side. But like those purpose projects, I really enjoy those to know that somebody's going to use this and it's going to take them no skill to use this and enjoy it. Um, because that coffee table isn't just a piece of wood with some legs on it, but that's a place for that family to gather. It has some function. Uh, one I'm working on now has a projector that comes out. Uh, there's one that has snacks underneath. Like whatever that those people represent and brings them together, I can put that in the piece, and it represents and reflects them. And you mentioned uh, ministry, Darrell. Pastoral ministry is never done, and so... Um, each of you talk about sort of the opportunity and the thrill of being able to finish something because when you're working in people's lives, you're never finished. Amen. Oh, definitely. Uh, the, the, the completion of projects represents, um, you may sit at, well, we all know this as fathers, we'll sit at the table with our kids until, we no longer can sit with them investing in that individual life to, to hopefully bring about something that is God honoring. And so that's, um, it's this understanding that life is such a marathon and not a sprint that if I can sit in my wood shop and complete something in three or four hours, well then there's, yeah, there's a completion there that, doesn't happen in a 
a productive ministry because it just keeps reinvesting in itself. I remember talking to uh, Colonel Mark Tilsley about this. Uh, he said there were times when he was a, a corps officer, so, you know, um, in non-Salvation Army lingo, a, a pastor and executive director of the Salvation Army, and sometimes his wife, and Mark's a very, very smart guy, and sometimes his wife would find him, like, uh, painting a room uh, in the core community center, and she'd be like, Mark, anybody can paint that room. And he's like, yes, but at the end of this day, like I will have walked in in the morning and the room wasn't painted or the room looked horrible and I'm going to walk out at night and the room will be painted. And that was important for his own like mental spiritual health to, to have that right. project kind of, you know, checked off to have the task done. Absolutely. Well, and, um, Oh, to, to be in core ministry. Um, I, I find myself these days, uh, in, in a divisional headquarters surrounded by financial statements and budgets and uh, a lot of financial paperwork and property matters and, and a world that I have no no place to belong in but IT. And uh, all of those are just ongoing conversations day after day and, and they continue uh, to be able to mow a lawn and then look back and know that it's done. Oh, there's, there, there's, yeah, there's so much joy in, in completion. Well, especially if the lines are straight, right? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so I, in prep for this, I was looking in, you know, at some of your past projects and I was going to ask you a question about, are you passing it along? Uh, have you done any projects with your boys? But I saw that you, you have. So tell us about that. It, uh, well, we, uh, bring Parker into the wood shop periodically and, uh, it, well, I say periodically, I ask him every single day and, uh, if the roadblocks server is down, then he says, yes, <laughs> if it's functioning, he denies that I exist. And so, uh, every so often he comes with me and, uh, what one of these uh, moments, we actually made a very simple project where he uh, made a handheld top, but of course we made a handle and we made a thread, and uh, he he was through the moon that he made his very own Beyblade, and uh, that day he learned how to make us top, and I learned what Beyblades were, so it was a win-win for both of us. That's very cool. And Jackson, does Jackson ever get into the uh, into the shop? Uh, Jackson, not so much. Uh, Jackson has seen the shop. Uh, Jackson has been around the shop, but uh, not not too many days with within the uh, shop. I I really try and keep him away from sharp objects sure. because uh, if he finds them, Sally may kill me. So uh, <laughs> that's that's one of those things where we. Uh, but we show them the wood pile every once in a while, and uh, we we have been known to pick up a two by four and, and play swords with each other. But that's about where that kind of ends. <laughs> See, Darrell has a different concern. If he shows sharp objects to his children, uh, it, you know, it's possible Zion might use it on somebody, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and without second thought, she she calls my tools daddy's toys, and she knows. <laughs> Don't mess with daddy's toys unless daddy's there. <laughs> well, since we brought your wives into this conversation, uh, how do your wives feel about your woodworking habits? Uh, Sally, for most days, is really happy that I can find something 
uh, productive, something that will uh, free up some time, that gives some enjoyment. Uh, but there, there are days where um, if I'm too excited about the project, uh, there, there are moments where she'll remind me, hey, I, I should have uh, eyes of affection for, for one person, and that is not my bandsaw. <laughs> and is she still making metal projects? I mean, do you ever catch her sneaking out there to make, you know, more nickel jewelry? Oh, no. Uh, I am convinced that Sally has found her calling in life and it is baking. And oh, man, she is this world class baker that uh, I, I, I am a living testimony to how good she is at baking. <laughs> Uh, and and uh, I I think anybody who knows Steve knows knows exactly what he's talking about there. Um, Darrell, how about how about you? How does Willow feel about your habit? You know, uh, since she's banished me from the garage to the basement, um, it, it's it's up in the air. But no, seriously, she she enjoys it. I think she enjoys that I found something that I enjoy. Um, she also will send the occasional scribble or picture of something she's seen on Pinterest. Um, uh, just recently we, I built her a new custom makeup table, uh, to house some of her, uh, larger items and things. So as long as she gets those projects every now and then, and when she wants them, I can continue to play with my, my dad toys. <laughs> well, and she's a cricketer, right? She is very crafty and she is a professional cricketer. How have we gone this long? We're on to our third season and we've never had her on. That needs to be a future episode and like near future. Oh, yeah. Uh, she lives upstairs, so um, I can talk to her about it. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> make, um, the, make the trip into a missionary land. <laughs> is, there any, uh, is there any shop talk that we've, that we've missed? Darrell, did you have any other, other questions for Steve? Uh, yeah, so here's, here's one that I think he can definitely uh, speak into. So if, if you know anything about sports or you've seen youth sports, uh, Drew, I'm sure you've seen it with Luke's travel team. You got so many kids on the opposing team or maybe his teammates that they'll get the ball and they'll turn around no matter where they are and they'll pull a trigger and shoot it. Um, and it's like the Steph Perry effect. Everybody wants to shoot three-pointers. I think in the woodworking community, we've seen something similar in the sense that most people have no idea how long a project actually takes because of YouTube. <laughs> you watch these YouTube videos and these guys, they make, these, these guys and these women, they make these amazing projects in 15 to 17 minutes. And I think when people reach out to you, say, hey, could you be able to help me with this? And they're like, oh, well, when do you need it by? Uh, tomorrow? <laughs> and it's like, well, it doesn't, it's, it's not that quick. And uh, I was, I'm curious to hear uh, some of your experience with this, Steve. Yeah. Oh, um, if I'm bad at time management, I feel like I'm always under the clock of, okay, can we, can we build this by this? Or can we have this? Or, hey, Steve, uh, the wooden spoon just broke. Can you make me a new one by dinner in 30 minutes? Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's those requests that you, you want to dive into and you want to say, oh yeah, absolutely. I can, I can do that really quickly. But yeah, then the harsh reality of time just grates into of, um, it was always funny to be near wood 
elements and think to myself, this is a wooden toy car. Why is there a price tag of $25 on it? And then to realize that's probably a good 15 hours to 25 hours in a shop, uh, someone laboring over all of all of the sanding hours. Can I just, can I confess that me and sandpaper are mortal enemies? Just, I can't stand sandpaper. Well, and the but smaller just, the project, the harder that is, right? Absolutely. Oh, oh yeah. In, in the little crevices you need to sand into. And it, never in my world did I think the worst pain I would ever have is when those tiny muscles in your fingertips start to cramp. Oh, it just, it ruins your day. I, I would say, uh, apart from the time that it takes to make a project, um, I think that one thing that I have or take issue with in woodworking is when it comes to hardwoods, I do not like them to be painted. Um, I can remember a gentleman in our community wanting to get started, and he asked if he could get some lumber. So I had this big, huge, it must have been about eight feet long, three feet wide, a piece of walnut. And I, and I put it on the back of his truck. And I said, so what exactly are you going to do with it? And he goes, well, I'm going to paint it to match. And I took it off the back of his truck. and pulled <laughs> it the mm -mm. Mm -hmm. I was disgusted yeah, with this yeah. guy. <laughs> that's a, that's when you turn around and see, and I, I'll see you at the altar on Sunday. <laughs> right. So with that in mind, mm. what would you say is your woodworking pet peeve? Yeah. Um, uh, paint does not exist in my garage. Uh, so you, right. you can feel free to come to my garage at any point. Um, I, I don't have it. I don't keep it. I don't want it. Um, I, I try not to have it there. Uh, my pet peeve is a, a very simple one. I don't ever want to show fasteners. Not that I won't use them, like a, a screw or something to help structure, but I don't ever want them to be seen. Um, I, I, I just, there's something, there's something about me that really takes this wonderful leap of joy when I can just see pure wood grain um, and whether that's a dowel plug, whether that's um, just a plug itself, or or whether that's just a creative way to to glue it together and join it together, it, yeah, I, I fasteners. I just want to hide them. They 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 belong somewhere else. So this is fascinating. It's fascinating to me, Steve, though, because you know when you're talking about how long a project takes. Um, and trying to do things like hide fasteners with this penchant you have to only build one thing once, um, you know, doesn't that just ratchet up the degree of difficulty uh, as far as the time it takes and, you know, how much thinking needs to go into it? it, it isn't there some instinct in you that says, now that I figured that out, I would like to make three more of these for three more people? Like, t tell us about that thing where you just want to make. A, a singular item. This is fascinating to me. Yeah, I um, 
Uh, well, uh, there there is a side of me that um, so we we've gone this long, and I'd be remiss uh, for those those who don't quite know me. Uh, I my oldest son uh, has severe autism, and uh, I just recognize he is this one of a kind individual. I can bring him anywhere, even in a room full of individuals that have autism, and he is one of a kind. I know his groan, his his foot pattern, his his hand tapping, and the noise that makes, and it's all one of a kind. It stands as this singular human being that I recognize in so many different ways. And so for me, this singularity of, of being an individual is, is just so important. So you make it once, it stands as an individual. You make it twice, it's got a twin. You produce it three or four times, and it's no longer an individual. Well, as a twin, I don't feel offended by that at all. I mean, that, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me one iota, what you just said. No, that is beautiful, Steve. Uh, and, and it makes all the sense in the world, uh, you know, knowing you and uh, having, having seen you as a parent, uh, you and Sally both. Um, but, but I can see that look in your eye uh, when you look at him. And, uh, and so that, that does make uh, a whole lot of sense. Um, there's another sort of creative side of you, which is uh, kind of the, the sound engineer, the, the one who sets up the sound system and, and does all of that stuff. Um, that I can't imagine there are too many woodworkers who also have uh, kind of sound engineer as part of their credential. Uh, how, did you, how did you come to be involved in, in that kind of stuff? Where did you get started with the, with the AV tech? Uh, curiosity is a funny thing. Curiosity will apparently kill cats and make you an AV individual. <laughs> like that's, that's where it leads, I guess. Um, that, but it, it purely was out of curiosity of at some level, I love sound. Um, well, more precisely, I love silence. Hello darkness, my old friend I've come to talk with you again I'm, I'm kind of consumed with, especially right now, with where life is and, and where I am as a person with this, this momentary silence where in order to achieve it, even as an individual, you have to slow your breathing, you have to not move, you have to... All these conditions have to be right, and you can, you can just barely get near silence. But then you amplify that of how you break through that and how you move through silence and, and that sound that pierces into things. And what, what a good EQ will do to most sounds and how it hits your ears. and just makes a pleasant or uh, in many of our environments how sound uh, can make you listen better or it can make you not listen at all and perfecting how that impacts individuals is just yeah I'm curious in that regard of I want 
I want good sound, and so rather than look at look at other individuals to try and make good sound, I I want to make it myself. Well, uh, I think I can merge these two thoughts uh, because um, if you are obsessed with, with the perfect sound, I'm going to recommend that you never, ever listen to this podcast once it is put out. Um, and, and, you know, because our engineer is a complete hack. He has no idea what he's doing. Um, and, uh, and then on the other side of it, you know, it's an individual thing. You, you came on, you answered the questions. Uh, and, and that was it. It never needs to be heard again, at least by your ears, if you care about quality sound, because that is not something that, uh, I've been able to achieve with this podcast so far. Um, despite, you know, um, some efforts in that direction. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I think this is probably a good moment to, uh, transition to the pulse. Um, so, uh, what are you watching these days? Watch me! Watch me! I got it! Watch me! Oh, Sally and I just finished together uh, Money Heist on oh, Netflix. Oh, man. It was riveting. Like, I, I felt like a little kid glued to the TV on Saturday mornings. Well, uh, you, and we're uh, just now. Uh, yeah. Did, did you watch it in Spanish with the subtitles? Well, we cheat a little bit. We watched it in English with the subtitles. Okay. Got it. Because I was going to say, glued to the TV. I mean, it is, you know, it's sort of a choice you have to make these days. If you're going to watch one of the foreign language pieces, is do you want to watch it in, you know, its original language with the subtitles, which I tend to, tend to prefer to do. But you can't be on your phone if you're sitting in front of Money Heist, you know, with the subtitles on um, and, and watching it in the original language. So... Uh, yeah, Darrell, have you watched that one yet? I got to about episode seven in the first season and had to move on. Willow has seen the whole thing. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Willow has better taste than you. Um, what are you watching, Darrell? If you know me, Steve, that just means I'll watch it. If you know me, Steve, it just means I'll watch it in about seven years and really love it. That's I, I've heard that about podcasts <laughs> right now, as well. Um, <laughs> It's it's true. Uh, I've, we just finished The Witcher season two, and uh, we really enjoyed that on Netflix. Uh, I've been watching a lot of travel basketball games. Uh, Luke is in his uh, in his travel season, and um, and they all seem to come down to a, a last minute basket, and um, they have been wins more than losses this time around. So uh, it's been very exciting. Uh, unfortunately, I get dragged into operating the scoreboard. And man, is it tough to be a dad uh, and watching your son, you know, play a game, your son or daughter play a game, and and you want to cheer and you want to coach and you have to hit the start and stop button on the clock and people lose their minds if you put up two points instead of three points and uh, so, but uh, but it's been a very enjoyable season so far. What are you listening to? Listen, Scott. Just listen to me. You listen to me. Listen, I gotta go do this report. Listen, listen. At ease. Listen up. Just listen up, man. Listen, I'm sorry. 
Listen to me. Listen to that. Yeah, listen, Walter. So you listen to me and you listen well. Uh, well, I am a faithful listener of the Creator Podcast. <laughs> oh, uh, I love fun. that Very show. Nice. Yeah. No, I'm I'm all about it. Uh, actually, I just finished, uh, because I heard about it uh, through one of your posts, I just finished that whole podcast series on uh, the rise of Mars Hill. Oh, wow. Uh, just at, while watch, washing dishes, I, I would watch it through, l- listen to it through my ears and kind of just, man, I just, yeah, lots of words are, are going through my head that I just... Uh, lots of lessons to be learned through through the experience of others. Yeah, that is, um, it is so sad and it is so um, gripping, the, the storytelling in that. Um, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. In a very different direction, I have been listening to uh, Wu Tang Clan. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast with a with the author of a new book about about Wu Tang, and I kind of missed Wu Tang. Like, a, you know, in my old school hip hop um, experience, maybe because they came out in '93, like that's when they really hit it big, and I was already into college, and I already kind of had my bands. Uh, that I listen to, um, but uh, yeah, I've been catching up on some Thirty Six Chambers lately. I I don't know what you're talking about. They're part of every audit playlist that I put together. Uh, just so everyone knows out there, that's exactly what every auditor is listening to as they go through your financial records. <laughs> I've seen some of those people. I love that image. Uh, that is hilarious. It's, that's a lot of cardigan sweaters there in that auditing crowd. <laughs> what are you listening to, Darrell? Uh, I am up to date on Last Known Position. Episode 5 uh, just dropped a few days ago, and it's getting really, really good. We have a saboteur on the boat, on the ship, and we're going to find out who it is in the next episode. Well, I want to thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on... On last known position now, I think I'm about uh, halfway. Uh, you know, I think I'm on episode two or three, but um, but yeah, it's really good. Thanks for the the recommendation. Yeah, in a timely manner too. That's right. What are you reading? <laughs> I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> right now, uh, I've been I've been getting into some more commentaries. Uh, I've always enjoyed um, the Matthew Henry commentary, and I know that's not like traditional reading, but the the added context to accompany scriptures i just find it fascinating uh, i have a map uh, a book of biblical maps that can go with it and i just find it fascinating that this world existed and isn't just some fictional thing created for us to tell moral stories about see that's surprising that you would say that you read matthew henry and that's the impression you came away with <laughs> doesn't he think all of it is fictional <laughs> 
That's well, that's an inside. Well, that's like an inside seminary joke for you know. <laughs> there you go. And, and I and I have the I have the Asbury commentary there too for all of the purple and uh, what are their mascot colors? <laughs> uh, you mean people who believe in Jesus? <laughs> yeah, those ones. <laughs> what are you reading, Steve? Uh, I've. I've got two on the go right now, and uh, but I'm more excited about the one that I just ordered today. But so the the two I've got uh, right now, the first one is positive parenting for autism. Uh, so I'm just trying to improve my skills as as this dad who just who has this wonderful blessing and just trying to kind of dive in deep there. Uh, the other one is uh, uh, getting to yes. Uh, I love it. It's this uh, wonderful like. How to get to yes, um, as the title would say, um, in kind of this FBI negotiating strategic way. Uh, but the one I just ordered today is uh, uh, Angela Duckworth has a, a book uh, called Grit. It's this uh, pursuit of uh, passion and purpose. It's this understanding that um, it's a... 10 questions on self-evaluation of how to identify um, leadership that is long-sustaining over what we normally think of as talents. Of, I just think of some of the best role models I've ever had and what, what really motivates me to want to be like them is not the, the flash and the pan experience, but the sustainability of over the years, just the perseverance of, of pushing through things. And so it's, I'm looking forward to kind of looking at those 10 questions and having those self-evaluation moments of, okay, where do I, where do I fit in within this, this process? Luke just said to Jen the other day, is grit your favorite word? Uh, like, um, <laughs> and she loved that book and, uh, and she loves the concept of, uh, of grit, uh, a book I cannot say I loved, but just finished is the cult of we, and it's all about the rise and fall of we work and the, um, you know, sort of visionary, um, and self-deluding founder, Adam Newman, um, and if you are looking for a book that's going to inspire you to want to punch somebody in the face, The Cult of We is, uh, is perfect. Um, it's, you know, he's such a frustrating um, protagonist of a true story. Um, and I, it, it, he's a maniac and, and should have been stopped a lot sooner than he was. And he, he ended up, you know, kind of ruining a lot of people's uh, careers um, in the you know, in his own self-interest really. And, and wasn't, you know, could have, could have actually had a, a pretty decent company, but was obsessed with valuation and, and his own, you know, gaining of wealth. So the cult of we, uh, what is God saying to you? Uh, it's, it's taken me nine years to hear this message of, uh, God is really speaking loudly in my life that silence is more than okay that sometimes silence is needed for the next breakthrough to happen. I think, I think I may be in a similar place, um, maybe not identical, but at least parallel where I, I feel like I've been, you know, sl slotted in a position to kind of hold 
for just a moment and the imagery that comes to mind is the Spartan phalanx and how you know you, you build this wall to protect others um, but it's an active wall it's not just waiting and doing nothing but just holding for now there's an unbelievable scene with Jon Snow in Game of Thrones where he is just um, encouraging his army to to hold, even though the enemy is rushing in on them, and it's all sort of part of this uh, this strategy that they have developed because they were outnumbered, and um, and it's just uh, Kit Harrington screaming the word "hold" at the top of his lungs over and over and over again um, through a pretty long scene. Uh, so. Uh, I can get that. Um, God is saying to me, live my word right now. I am back to um, uh, uh, an audio program of listening to the Bible in a year. I'm, I'm doing a chronological version this time around. Um, and, uh, you know, James 1 has it right. We aren't supposed to read the Bible as just an intellectual exercise and not allow it to... Uh, saturate our lives. Um, it, it says in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Uh, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Um, and so uh, that's where I'm being challenged is I'm, I'm listening to, you know, Genesis uh, every morning and um, then still yelling at people in traffic. Uh, so uh, I need to live out his word uh, more effectively. Uh, what are you creating? Uh, right now, uh, the, the piece is this. Uh, so Sally's going to be really offended when this is uh, completed. So don't tell her about it. But it's, uh, it's this wonderful stained glass pineapple. Uh, and so I just have this wonderful running joke with Sally that, uh, every time there's a opportunity to give her a gift, it's, uh, either, either something in the shape of a pineapple or of a pineapple, uh, because, uh, well, in the Salvation Army a couple of years ago, they adopted this, this, uh, wonderful pineapple of stand tall, wear a crown and be really sweet. And so, uh, I... I've just never really let her live that down, and so uh, I fully, fully embrace uh, that nerdy side of me. Of I'm going to keep that running joke continuing, just for badness at this point, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, for me, it's more like what I'm not creating. There is a new podcast I know I need to launch, and I've had some initial conversations with people, uh, but I have not recorded anything. I haven't uh, booked anybody um, to record anything, and so I really need to get myself moving. So I am doing this now to kind of uh, challenge myself and call myself out um, to get that new uh, podcast off the ground. So um, that's my answer. It's what I'm not creating uh, right now that is the uh, the big issue in my life. Darrell, what are you creating? Um, right now, I'm finishing up a music box for a friend in Puerto Rico. Uh, her father just turned 80, and he always loved music boxes. And I just got the sound fixtures, and I'm going to be finishing that up this week. Very cool. Well, and we haven't sort of said this all along, but I think it's wonderful that uh, this kind, these kinds of analog art forms 
still exist. I mean, Steve, you talked about drawing something and then making it in the wood shop. Um, you know, for uh, for this generation, it's kind of like you draw it on a computer and then a 3D printer prints it for you. So that's a very different uh, style of creating. So grateful to um, to be able to talk to two people who are are participating in art forms that have been around for a very, very long time. And hopefully um, with craftsmen like yourselves will continue to be around for a very, very long time. And um, want to thank you, Steve, for your time tonight, for sharing with us, um, and uh, especially uh, that that image of uh, your truly one of a kind uh, son, and and how that impacts your choices around the woodworking that you do. So that'll do it for another episode of the Creator Podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, rate, subscribe, review. It really does help. Um, we'd love to get to a point where, you know, more than three people listen to this thing. So uh, thanks for coming along on this journey, and um, we will see you next week. How are we going to see them? It's a podcast. We're not going to see them next week. You know, they're going to hear <laughs> us hear next you. week. Yeah. <laughs> You'll hear us next week. <laughs> You'll hear us next week. Well, that's all right.